Hello? Hello? Hello, Cliffy? Cliffy, it's Uncle Cliff Cliff. Cliffy? It's podcast time. And now, the Birthday Boy Podcast. Bull stick of butter. Cliffy, it's Grandma Cliff Cliff. Give me a call at your convenience, okay? Cliff, this is your Uncle Cliff Cliff. Here's the host of Birthday Boy Podcast. The one and the only, Johnny Boy. My little baby boy. Baby butter boy. Womack style. Cliffy. I love you. Toggling your balls. Toggling your balls. Where's the rodeo? Uh, toggling his balls. I like your boots. But just below your nipple. Where are you headed? The biggest one yet. Toggle your balls. Toggling your balls. Fifty shades of gray. Slack, Cliffy. The biggest one yet. Cliffy. Oh my god. Hey there, teacher. It's going to be outrageous. What's my assignment? Your grandmother. I like your rubric. Great Donnell Winslow. Oh, please. Degrade Cliffy Baseball. Weakness. My little baby butter boy, little butter boy, clippy boy, baby boy. Sweet then. That's how you get blisters, Clippy. That's how you get blisters. Womack style. That sure tastes delicious. In my mouth. Hey, firewoman. Bibleopoly, Cliff. Where's the fire? Puzzle, your balls. You're a smoker. The oatmeal tasting booth. Toggling your balls. Toggle your balls. Baby Butter Boy. The biggest and the best. You goddamn Butter Boy, son of a bitch. I can't get out of fuck of you, son of a bitch. To the Womack family holiday spectacular. Your grandmother just told me the good news. Or as we like to call it, the pizzle. Hellman's mayonnaise. The raucous red glare, the bombs bursting in air, and a delicious Helios pizza in your oven. Puzzle, your balls. Womack style. Whoa, baby. Can you believe it? Episode 8? It almost seems like seconds ago we finished episode 7. And that's because we did. Uh, I mentioned at the end of episode seven uh, that I was splitting up episode seven, Harry Potter Deathly Hallows style. So you're listening to episode eight, but really uh, a lot of this was part of episode seven. Episode seven was too long. It was just it was just too, it was just too goddamn long, Cliffy boy. It was just too goddamn long. Uh, so I split it up. So we've got a, a couple of stories here, and we're going to have a call from Cousin Cliff later to wrap everything up. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good it's going to be a good little podcast here this episode 8. Uh so with that said, 
where we left off, I was about to get into some stories about Florida when I worked at Seacoast Bank in Florida. I have preserved the original audio that I recorded as part of episode 7 and have now brought over to episode 8. So with that said, uh, let's just jump right into it and get to a couple of stories about when I, when Kimmy and I and little baby Cameron moved to Florida. Seacoast Bank in Florida. And this was back in 2010. And uh, so yeah, here to tell you all about it is me from a couple of hours ago. Very strange, just really messing with the whole space-time continuum. If I'm recording this now, but I've already recorded what I'm about to say, it's very, very strange, very tricky business. It's real heavy, heavy stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah, here it is. Here's what was originally supposed to be part of a very long episode 7, but has now been split into a shorter episode 7 and a shorter episode 8. Here's uh, a little, some tales from 2010 moving to Florida. Uh, take it away, me. Ah, hmm. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah. What a tune. Oh man, these fucking guys. White Lies. One of my faves. <sighs> Let's see. We're, we're still, uh, we're not switching gears yet. We're still talking about Florida, but, uh, we are switching gears in the sense that we're not talking about me puking, and we're not talking about vacations. We are talking about the time that Kimmy and I and Cameron moved to Florida and uh, took a job with a little bank down there called Seacoast. And this was the craziest fucking place I've ever worked, ever. And there's so many, oh my god, there's so many stories. Oh, there's just so many, and as 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 Carrie Dumas and Nate and Ryan have asked me to never stop doing this pod, and Jody has said uh, keep doing this podcast forever. I am going to do this podcast forever, so I'm not worried that we're not going to get to every single story about Seaco's Bank tonight because there's there's a lot, and I'm going to get to. I think the only one I'm going to, to talk about is my uh, my first meeting of some of these guys that I would be working for at Seacoast. So this is 2010, and I was working for a great company called Balance Sheet Solutions, a wholly owned subsidiary of Members United uh, Corporate Federal Credit Union, now known as Aloya Credit Union. Oh, there goes my voice again. That's cool. Ah, oh, this is good. Sounding sounding good, Hopkins. Sounding good. Oh man. Uh so I worked for this this great place for about a year and a half in Albany and I loved it there. I loved it. I loved all the people. I loved my boss, Matt, Jim, uh, Chris. Um Boy, that's a there's some stories to tell there. Holy shit, God, Scooby. Got some Scooby stories to tell on a future podcast. Let me scribble that down. Scooby. This swing set buy-in motherfucker. Unlike anyone else. 
I, we will tell Scooby stories. You know, that will that will be on a future episode of the pod. But right now I'm telling Seacoast stories, and I'm talking about when I left Balance Sheet Solutions and I left New York and moved to Florida, which was such a bizarre, just a bizarre experience in every possible way. It was the life as I knew it was just like humming along nicely back in 2009, 2010. Everything was good. You know, we were new parents. Um, you know, we were at a place like financially that was good. And, you know, in retrospect, that's when we should have just, we should have just bought a house in uh, where we lived. Uh, but, you know, goddamn, all the shit that's happened as a result of moving to Florida, you can't go back and do it any differently. <laughs> There's just too many people that I've met over the years and too many fucking ridiculous experiences. I wouldn't have any, I would have like a fraction of the stories that I have to tell on this podcast, I'm sure, because, uh, God damn, there's no place like Seacoast Bank, formerly known as Seacoast National Bank. So these guys, so I was working for this balance sheet solutions, and I was used to, yeah, as I used to tell people, I was in modeling. Um, it was financial modeling, interest rate risk modeling, but still, you don't need to know the, you don't need to know the nuts, nuts and bolts about everything. I just would tell, oh, what, kind of, what line of work are you in? <laughs> modeling, of course. And then they would look at me uh, like I was a fucking guy with a glove made out of ice cream on his hand. Uh, but this particular bank in Florida had a need for a guy who used the same software and had the the very uh, desirable, I guess, <laughs> skill set that I had. And they had tried in Florida, couldn't find somebody, so they extended their search up the East Coast. And they found old Johnny Boy and uh, this this recruiter gives me a call and we're talking and yeah sure okay oh the salary that sounds pretty good so I had so I had phone interviews with three guys with uh, with the controller with the CFO and with the director of finance and those interviews went really really well and so they flew me down to meet with those same three people in person because who knows even though I gave a good interview on the phone what if I what if I look stupid? They wouldn't want to hire somebody who looks stupid. Uh, so they have to, you know, they, they have you an interview over the phone. And then if they say, well, if I'm going to pay to move this guy down here, I goddamn better well see him in person. Uh, although that wasn't the case when I moved up to the, uh, up to Boston, up to, up to New Hampshire in the Boston area, they, I had one phone interview and they said, that's our guy. And they moved me up here. It was the greatest fucking thing ever. One interview. Sat in my, well, whatever. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, sat in a pair of gym shorts on the couch having a phone, inter- a one-hour phone interview, and then two hours later I got a call saying, you've got the job. Shit, let's go. That's how we ended up here in beautiful New England. Anyway, that's also a different story for a different time, I suppose. But uh, So Seacoast, so they had me interview on the phone, Interviews went well. They brought me down to meet with those three guys in person as well as uh, the HR director. Um, all those interviews went great. Went with the HR guy. Great interview. Met with the, the controller who would be my boss. A great interview. Met with the CFO. Nice little interview. Nice guy. Whatever. Met with the director of finance. This was where things got a little different. He said, we're going to do things differently this time. Where you've you've been sitting at desks and in conference rooms all day having these interviews. We're gonna do things different. We're gonna get in the car. We're gonna go for a driving interview. 
<laughs> now I'm thinking like, what? What the fuck is a driving interview? Well, a driving interview is exactly that. You drive and you have an interview. That's what that's that's what we did. The director of finance, John, and I, uh, in his uh, Chris and Jay. I know you're listening. You'll have to keep me honest. I think it was nineteen a nineteen ninety six high top conversion van, and this thing, boy, let me tell you, it was in mint condition, not a scratch on it, not a not a not a dent, not a ding, nothing out of place. The little uh, 15-inch TV tube television, right in the right in the center, right in the center aisle, so everybody could watch TV. VCR had the captain's chairs, all that shit. Even had a row of seats in the way, 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 way back that faced out the back window, which was terrifying to ride in, by the way, as I would later find out. Uh, so this driving interview with uh, with Mr. John Turgeon, director of finance, we get in the we get in the car, we get in the van, and I really don't know what's going to happen. Like, what is the driving interview like? What am I going to be quizzed on, like Florida landmarks? And this was in Stewart, Florida. So I was working in Albany, had an interview at Stewart, Florida, for this bank called Seacoast. John Turgeon, the director of finance, gave me a ride in his high top. 1996 conversion van and we had our quote-unquote interview now mind you when i say interview i had already interviewed uh hold on i get some sparkling ice Mm. i could pause i could just stop the recording and have a drink but i really i would prefer that you all see or hear how the sausage is made and i'm i'm really making some sausage tonight Anyway, so Turgeon gets me in the van, and I I just don't know what's going to happen. Like, is this guy, is he going to drive me to a warehouse and murder me and rob me? Like, is this all, was this all just a big elaborate setup just to rob a a 29-year-old kid with very little money? No, he just wanted, he's proud of his town. He's a guy from Ohio. He's a Buckeye. He went to Ohio, the Ohio State played golf, big golf guy, and I knew that because on the phone interview, everybody else talked about banking and talked about like the role and the job and the essential functions and how I would be able to perform those functions, but not John. John talked about Ohio State football. He talked about golf, how he's not a boat guy, he's a golf guy, and how some people are boat guys and some people are golf guys, and he's a golf guy, not a boat guy, but some people are both golf and boat guys, and he knows some people who are both golf and boat guys, but he's not one of those because he's a golf guy only, not a boat guy, but some people are golf and boat guys. Some people are just boat guys. Some people are just golf guys, and he is just a golf guy. That's I'm, I'm basically verbatim. I'm giving you the, the, the phone interview, and the driving interview wasn't much different than that. It was a little bit more about, you know, kids, school, uh, and he uh, and he told me about foot. You know, he just loved the Ohio State and Ohio State football and his golf scholarship and golf and uh, how some people are golf guys and some people are boat guys and so. Anyway, I've already said enough on that. Uh, so we get in the we get in the high top conversion van, the uh, the Turgeon mobile, and we head out. And he's he like I said, he was just very proud of his town. He wanted to show me. He drove me through the high school parking lot and he showed it. Here's where the kids go to to high school. <laughs> I, that's that was uh, I ascertained that from the sign in the front that said high school kids go here. 
but thank you. This is great. We drove around the whole high school so he could show me here's where the gymnasium is. And here's, uh, and then he said, here's where the library is, or as they now call it, the media center. And then he kind of rolled his eyes. <laughs> is it, is media center that offensive? Is it much worse than saying library? Like it's, I mean, you know, it's media. There's a bunch of, anyway, good. Okay. It's the media center or don't say media center around John Turgeon, say library. Uh, he drove me. Uh, down to check out the brand new Hampton Inn that had just been uh, just been built in the last year or so or a couple of years and it just opened so that was a nice shiny he showed me um, some of the restaurants here's the ale house here's uh, uh, here's uh, Flanagan's and here's uh, uh, what's the other place Mulligan's so you got your Mullig- oh and Duffy's so you've got Duffy's and you've got Flanagan's and you've got Mulligan's and you've got the ale house and you've got the Hampton Inn and uh so we're just driving along, and we're not in any way, shape, or form. I actually tried to steer the conversation towards work. I was saying, hey, you know, uh, I just want to let you know, uh, you know, I've, I've been doing this for only a couple of years. I got, you know, I've got, uh, uh, but, I've, but I've accomplished this much, and I did, 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 did. And, and his response, anytime I would say something about work, he would be like, and uh, there's the barber shop over there. You can get your hair cut, and that's... Uh, there's the ice cream parlor. You can get some ice cream over there. And uh, here's a restaurant I like to go to. You can get some food there. Like, okay, well, cool. Here's the high school and their media center. Uh, like, okay, wow, great. So anyways, so uh, so I've been working on these models for, uh, for the last uh, year and a half or so. And I feel like I've really learned a lot. And uh, here's... Uh, Here's Dunkin' Donuts. Got a, there's a subway over there. And get, there's a bagel place. And got, uh, so, and I'm feeling good because I know, obviously, look, I've had all the interviews. They know everything they want to know about me. I know they're going to offer me the fucking job. That's that's the cool part. I'm like, okay, if we're just driving around, he's, show, he's trying to sell me on the town. I get it. He's proud of his town. He likes the town. He wants me to like the town. He wants me to want to move here to work for this company. So I'm. it's all, it's all good. It's just the the level of detail with which we are touring this town and the things that he thinks are landmarks that I want to see versus the things that I don't give a shit about are you know two very different things and so I'm I'm very appreciative of this driving interview but a it's not an interview at all cuz he's not asking me anything about about my credentials or my qualifications and B, he's just showing me like where to get pizza and where to get a burger and where uh, the high school is and where this thing is. And he's showing me like, oh, and uh, this there's some condos here. You might want to live there. Maybe this is uh, the owner of the Miami Dolphins owns these condos. It's, it's all very interesting and informative. But I'm just like, what are we? What are we actually doing right here? I, and this is really like, it's it's great. It's nice. And that, uh, but I don't. You don't. You don't need to sell me on the town. Like, I get it. I've seen it. It's cool. Uh, do I have the job or not? And then let me go. <laughs> let me get out of here and go home. Uh, but one of the final stops on the driving tour, and this is how I, this is when I knew. This is when I knew I have to work here. I have to work for this guy in some way, shape, or form because he's driving me along in the conversion van and uh, we come across the, we come across the mall. Uh, I forgot the, the Treasure Coast, Treasure Coast. Treasure Coast Square. I don't know. I went there a million times. I can't remember. I think it's Treasure Coast Square. Anyway, we get to the mall. Uh, here's the mall over here. It's, uh, 
You've got a number of anchor stores. You've got J.C. Penney's. You've got Macy's. You've got, uh, at the time, there's H.H. H. Gregg. There's Borders Books and all. You know, I'm like, okay, God, that's awesome, man. I mean, yeah, we've got got that shit, uh, you know, I guess kind of everywhere. But uh, do I have the job? Or what? He's like, and uh, we've got... Uh, We've got a th- movie theater in the mall too, and it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a 15 screen theater. Wait a minute, no. Is it a 12 screen? No, I think it's a 15. Sc- I'm like, hey, you know, if it's 12, if it's 15, good to know. There's a movie theater in town. I don't really give a shit how many fucking screens they have, but it's okay. There's a mall and there's a movie theater. That's great. The internet. Also, honestly, could have told me all of these things, but I appreciate that you care enough to to. I really do. I'm, I appreciate that you care enough to drive me around. And he's like, "Oh man, is it 15 screens or 12? I feel like it's." I'm like, you know, John, it's no big deal. And then as soon as before I could even finish the sentence, we're sw- he slams on the brakes and we're swerving across like eight lanes of traffic. And I'm like, what's going on right now? And he does a U-turn, goes back, swerves into the mall parking lot, guns it across the whole uh, US-1 or whatever it is. And I'm, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I pissed him off. I did something. He's pissed because he just fucking gunned it across that traffic. We could have easily been killed. He's swerving and screeching and squealing all over the place, these tires and this fucking 20-year-old conversion van that I haven't, I haven't seen since I was, like, you know, in, in middle school, a car like this. Like something, something bad's gonna happen to me. I'm not making it home. Yeah, not in one piece, anyways. Something. Well, it turns out he screeched on the brakes and swerved all the way across all that traffic because he, it probably was worried that the difference between the 12 screen theater and the 15 screen theater was the the deal breaker for me. Like that, I was gonna go home. Hey, how was the trip to Florida? What do you think of the town? <laughs> well, it was pretty good. I mean, they've got a nice shiny new Hampton Inn. And uh, they've got a bunch of different ale houses and things like that. But uh, <laughs> what a joke. Their movie theater only has 12 screens. And they think I'm going to move there. Those fucking idiots. <laughs> I'm sure that's what played in his head. So he's he's feverishly driving around to the back of the movie theater. And I'm just trying to tell him, like, dude, I I honestly, I don't, I don't care if there's 12 screens. I don't care if there's 15 screens. I don't care... If there's 150 screen, it doesn't fucking matter. I just, I want to like, do I have the job? Do I have the job? So, and so of course we get to the back and uh, he looks at the sign and he goes, ah, just as I thought there's 15 screens. That's right. It's a 15 screen cinema. And I just kind of nodded. I said, okay, (laughs) that's cool, man. Three more screens than uh, than the other scenario would have provided. So I guess that's that wraps that up. And uh, so he says, so yeah, so, uh, so we got the Hampton Inn, and uh, we've got a number of restaurants, got some nice condos, and uh, you got golf courses for people like me who like golf. I'm a golf person. I'm not a boat person. There's boat people. If you're a boat person, there's lots to do for boats. I'm not really a fan of boats. If you're interested in boats, you can go out on a boat. I'm not really a boat guy. There's a lot of boat guys, though, because it's Florida and there's lots of boats. I'm a golf guy. I love being in Florida because of the golf. I'm a golf guy, not a boat guy. And uh, and, 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 and also, when, uh, you know, we've got a, we've, we now officially have a 15-screen cinema. I'm like, okay. I accept your offer. I will be moving here. 
Uh, and then, of course, on my first, I don't think it was my first day. Yeah, no, it wasn't my first day. Obviously, I accepted the job, and a few, jeez, uh, maybe a month later, two months, yeah, two months later, I was, I was there starting my first day at this crazy, that was a fucking surreal, just walking in the door on that first day, like, what is happening right now? What the fuck is happening? Uh, but on the first week, what I didn't know is that the fellas, uh, the whole gang in the accounting department, they like, you know, they'll eat lunch together in the cafeteria, which was known as Barbara's Bistro, uh, which is a whole, oh boy, there's so much to talk about in Barbara's Bistro. Chris and Jay are going to help me with that. Hopefully I can have both of these guys on at some point. We can do a Skype or something because there's so much shit to talk about. If you ever watched You Can't Do That on television, Barbara's Bistro was like Barth's Burgers. You remember the I heard that, you know, the old guy, and you'd see like a like a limp arm hanging down from, from behind his uh, behind his counter, while the, and the kids would always end up like throwing up over the side of the table. That's what the Bistro was like, legitimately. I mean, like rancid meat, uh, you know, ex-convicts from the prison work release program helping out in the, in the kitchen, coming out with two... Uh, bare hands, no gloves, with piles of turkey on them for the turkey sandwich, and just throwing the turkey down on the sandwich, and using the uh, using the leftover salad bar, uh, or le- using the leftover uh, burger fixins from Burger Day to put in the salad bar. So like a few days old tomato and lettuce just got scraped into the salad bar, and uh, these weird slices of pie that would just kind of leak. Um, and just disgusting, I mean, rancid chicken salad, uh, roast beef that uh, Chris Corsia, my buddy that I talked about on the beginning of the episode, uh, speaking, this is a pukey episode because this poor bastard came back to his desk and threw up in a, in a garbage can at his desk after eating eating some, uh, some not-so-great uh, roast beef, uh, which, again, I don't think, uh, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast, they're not supposed to have... Uh, green patches on the roast beef and uh, Chris probably found that out after it was too late anyway <laughs> but that's boy Barbara's Bistro oh and they would have the flu shots in the bistro so they would have a little curtain they would bring in they would wheel in some curtains some little dividers and on one side of the curtain people were getting their flu shots and on the other side the rest of the people were eating lunch it was awesome what a place just a magical place of memories and uh, so anyways, so we would eat lunch in the cafeteria sometimes in the bistro. And on Fridays was when, uh, you know, whoever was available and whoever wanted to would go out to one of the local restaurants and have a bite to eat, either at the uh, either at the Ale House or at uh, good old Flanagan's. You could just walk right across the street to Flanagan's. A uh, number of locations. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know this And on my first So I guess it was, it was my first week It was my first Friday And uh, Well Without giving too much detail again We've already talked about me puking But I was uh, I was in the restroom I was using I was using the lavatory And I was in a stall And all of a sudden It was right just before Right around noon Probably right around lunchtime And what I didn't know Because again I was new And I didn't know the the ways of the bank and that we all went out to eat on Fridays. So I'm sitting there doing my thing. And, uh, all of a sudden the door, I hear this loud bang and the door flies open. I'm just like, Oh, what's going on? And I hear John Turgeon. Hey, 
Hey, John, that you? I'm the only I'm the only fucking guy in the whole bathroom. It's it's absolutely me, but I'm completely mortified. Like it's my first week, and the director of finance sees my legs in the stall and he starts yelling, "Hey, Hopkins, Hopkins, is that you in there? Is that you? Is that you pooping?" <laughs> Right. He didn't say that. He didn't. He didn't ask if that was me pooping, but he was. He w- and he wouldn't stop. He, he wouldn't stop. And it just got. It just got worse and worse. And I'm. I'm just not responding because I'm fro. It's my first week in a new town, in a new state, in a new job. Everything's new. Everything's different. Everything's weird. It's too hot. It's like, oh my god, I'm not. I'm in Florida, but I'm not on vacation, and I'm not in college, so I can't just like turn around and go back. I'm like here, I'm in Florida, I'm here. And now this director of finance who almost got us killed trying to prove that there were 15 cinema screens instead of 12 has now burst into the men's room, sees my legs in the stall and is saying, is yelling and I will not accept silence because he won't, hey Hopkins, that you? John, John, that you? And then luckily, the only thing that saved me was my boss, the controller, uh, Chuck walks in, and uh, he's, he's, John's just standing there yelling for me, and he's like, John, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm trying to find Hopkins. I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out if that's Hopkins in there. And Chuck just laughs. He's like, I don't think it's him. I think he probably would have let you know by now if it was him. He's like, all right, well, I'll go see if I can find him somewhere else. So John leaves the bathroom, and now I have to wait for Chuck to finish because I'm just sitting terrified in the stall, not moving, not making a sound. And wondering how financially feasible it would be to just go home and pack all my stuff and go back to New York and get my whole job back because I'm thinking this is not going well. Oh man! So I missed I missed lunch with the gang on that particular Friday, but we had many many more, uh, such as the one where the I went to lunch with the CFO and the director of finance. Who I worked very closely with, both but with John and with Bill, the director, of, uh, the CFO. Uh, the three of us went to lunch because nobody else was around that day. And uh, just being like a nice guy, I thought, eh, you know, I'll just I'll do the right thing and I'll offer to pay for lunch. But obviously they'll they'll turn me down because why would they just let you know the new guy who's obviously making a fraction of what they're making uh, and doesn't have a, a corporate card from the bank? Why would you know? I can't write this off. I can. You know, so I said, oh, hey, gents, I'll, I'll pay for lunch today. And they both just <laughs> looked at each other and said, okay, sounds good. Uh, which isn't as bad as uh, my buddy Chris there, who I mentioned, uh, who started out as an intern, unpaid. That's a $0.00, and zero cents, uh, salary. And uh, there were, I think, about seven or eight of them who went out to lunch, uh, including the, uh, the higher-ups, the director of finance, John Turgeon, the CFO, Bill Hall. And a number of others, and uh, Chris, uh, Chris was left footing the bill for that lunch for for seven or eight eight, eight people, I guess it was Chris. So that pales in comparison. I mean, my my lunch cost maybe thirty thirty five dollars for the two of them and myself. So that's that's nothing compared to uh, what the poor intern making zero do- again zero dollars and zero cents was the salary that Chris Corsio was making uh, when he had to pay for eight people at a lunch. Oh man, that's a it's a different fucking world down there, man. <laughs> I lasted all of two years, and I'm surprised. I'm surprised I made it that far. Oh my god, yeah. There's just oh god, talking about that bistro. We Barbara's bistro. We we called uh, 
uh, one day there was I was got there pretty early most days, and uh, the delivery truck was there for the bank meat, and that's what I called it. It was it had the meat all all of the meat orders for Barber's Bistro, and uh, I forgot you know we joked about it. I said I said I think uh, you know you've got like the different grades of beef you know certified uh, grade A prime beef and that kind of thing and then I think if you go down like B C D E F and then like high school meat and I said and then I think a few layers below that is the very bottom of it and I think it's called bank meat and that's just that's the meat that they serve in little bank cafeterias like this one so we had a lot of a uh, lot of disgusting bank meat and lots of stories about bank meat and Chris throwing up in his little uh, cube, his little his little office garbage pail there, and uh, oh, what a place! Yeah, there's there's more to talk about in that bistro. Uh, Bobby the janitor, that's another gem. That's another seacoast, a treasure. You know, it's called it's called the Treasure Coast, and uh, Bobby Bobby the janitor was uh, one of those treasures on the uh, the Treasure Coast area of Florida. And this was a guy, you know, he was the night cleaning crew. He had him and, and one other guy. And uh, Chris and Jay are going to have to help me uh, help me uh, expand on this story a little bit because I can't remember the little guy's name. But uh, but Bobby would show up and, uh, you know, our offices, our windows all looked out on the front parking lot. Bobby would show up on his motorcycle around 3, 3.30 every afternoon. And then, of course, he would he would clean the whole place. He would clean all the offices, all the trash, the sweeping, the cleaning, the bathrooms, everything. And uh, when Bobby got there, uh, Bobby would pull up in his motorcycle, and he would <laughs> he would take off his shirt out in the. This is the also the 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 corporate office where we worked was also the main bank branch. So it wasn't just us office people who had to look out the window and see topless Bobby. Uh, you know, six foot two, pale white, uh, you know, taking off his T-shirt that had like a tiger or a lion or a liger or a griffin or something, uh, you know, different mythical creatures and and jungle cats uh, on kind of a tie-dye T-shirt. And he would take that off and we all got to look at his, you know, blinding white skin. But also not just us, but all of the customers going into and coming out of the bank got to see this as well. As he, and he parked, he would park in the first space every day. There was just a little like motorcycle space. He would park right there for all the world to see. And then there was a little fountain, and he would go over and like he he would like put his deodorant on. He would sit by the fountain, maybe spritz, you know, dip his hand in, splash a little water, put his, and then he would put his deodorant on. Uh, and then get ready for the for the night shift wherever he was coming from like softball practice or something like that. I think he played softball rather competitively and then he would uh, have the night shift cleaning up the bank and uh, he would stop and change in the fountain. He would bathe in the fountain and uh, put put his deodorant on and then come upstairs. And then more often than not, he was such a nice guy. Uh, he also had a little sidekick with him. Um, I don't I don't know that he spoke any English, the sidekick. Uh, but a lot of times we would just we would hear him in the different offices, like cleaning. You know, he'd be cleaning John Turgeon's office, and John Turgeon had lots of nice, you know, plaques and pictures and and you know, of thirty years uh, in working for this company. Uh, you know, Turgeon had lots of lots of memorabilia and things and pictures of his family on the wall too, or on the on the shelf. And this little sidekick of Bobby's would come in with his little feather duster, and he would be dusting and wiping and cleaning. And then he would be like, 
we weren't sure because we could just hear him making little noises like, Hello, 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 how are you? And so Jay and Chris and I would, uh, you know, we would have a little huddle and try to figure out what was going on. And we only assumed that he was talking to all of the pictures, all of John Turgeon's pictures of his family, his kids, his wife and all that stuff. Uh, we thought that he was he was talking to them and telling them stories and things like that and, uh, you know, making the pictures come to life in his mind. That's the only that's the only conclusion that we drew from this guy who didn't say much of anything but would go in and he would look at Turgeon's pictures and you could just hear him cleaning Turgeon's office and just saying, Hello, hello, hello. And uh, just faintly you could hear it uh, from the other side of the wall. And uh, that, so, so that guy was, you know, he was Bobby's sidekick. And Bobby himself, of course, uh, you know, just a, a red-blooded American uh, Florida guy. And he was a super nice guy, clean. Uh, but he would come into my office and, uh, you know, this is like 4 o'clock. I'm trying to, like, get shit done so I can go home. And, and so is everybody else. But Bobby would come in. He just had to take the garbage and then leave. And, hey, Bobby, how you doing? Hey. And then he would, uh, you know, he would come in and sometimes he would just shut the door, you know, and be like, hey, hey, John, man. Hey, man, let me let me ask you a question. He would say that more more often than not. He would have to ask me a question. I'm like, oh, fuck, I just want to I want to finish work and go home. And so Bobby would uh, he would come in and he would shut the door and be like, hey, hey, John, man, let me let me ask you a question. Let me tell you this. Uh, my wife and I were at Chili's the other day, and we ordered the uh, nachos locos. <laughs> I don't, I don't fucking know what he means. Some fucking thing, something that uh, I don't, I don't know. Some appetizer, and we uh, we ordered the appetizer, and he brought out a little cup of mayonnaise and a little cup of ketchup for me and my wife. I'd be like, yeah. He'd be like. And then, so I asked the guy, I asked the waitress, I said, excuse me, can we get another cup of mayonnaise? Because this isn't enough. One cup between two people is just not enough mayonnaise. And I'm like, what the fuck is, where is this going? What is this conversation? I'm like, yeah, okay, so so you asked for mayonnaise? Yeah. But here's the thing. She didn't bring the mayonnaise. I'm like, okay. So, so then what? <laughs> It's my fault for asking. So then I asked her again, and she still didn't bring the mayonnaise. And I'm like, well, Bobby, did, uh, like, are you sure that she heard you? Did you ask loud enough? Did she acknowledge, like, did you say, excuse me, miss, can I have some more mayonnaise? And did she say, oh, of course, sir, let me bring that right out? No, she didn't even acknowledge it. And I'm like, okay. So, so is there a chance that she didn't hear you? Well, I don't know, maybe. But all I know is she didn't bring me that mayonnaise. I had asked for mayonnaise because my wife wanted more mayonnaise. And we didn't get the mayonnaise. And she didn't even acknowledge that I asked for the mayonnaise. And so at the end, I complained to the manager that I wanted more mayonnaise. And she wouldn't bring me the mayonnaise. And I'm like... <laughs> Okay, and at this point, he's like, he's really upset. He's irate. Like, he's starting to yell at me. I think he's now, he's now like in a like in a Looney Tunes cartoon. Like, my head in his eyes has, has morphed into this waitress's face. And so, because he's like, you know, his eyes, he's got like beady eyes, and he's gritting his teeth, and his fists are clenched, and he's really pissed about this mayonnaise. And he's like, 
He's like, so I told the manager that I didn't think it was right, that we had to wait. And finally, the waitress brought the mayonnaise, but after three times of having to ask her for this mayonnaise. And I'm like, oh, so you got the mayonnaise. Yeah, but it took 15 minutes to get the mayonnaise. I'm like, well, okay, that's, you know, maybe not the worst thing that could happen to a person. I've, I've heard of much, much worse things happening to people than that. But yeah, I mean, I get it. You asked her a few times. She didn't bring the mayonnaise, but then she did ultimately bring exactly what you wanted. And then you complained to the manager. Yeah, I complained to the manager because I had to ask three times. And she walked right past three times. And then I finally got my mayonnaise. You think, Johnny, let me ask you. Let me ask you, man. Do you think that was wrong? Did I, did I do the wrong thing or did I do the right thing? Because my wife, she wanted that cup of mayonnaise because she didn't get enough. And I asked for it and I didn't get it. And then I had to, I'm like, Bobby, I, yeah, you know what? And I'm thinking to myself, like, What's what's the right answer? What's the wrong? I don't know what the right answer is. These are the kinds of awkward uh, confrontations where you're like, get me out of here. I need to leave. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And uh, <laughs> Bobby's got me cornered and he's talking about mayonnaise instead of just taking the trash and letting me finish my work and go home. Bobby, I've got kids. I want to go home to my kids, man. Don't hurt me. I didn't do anything to your mayonnaise. I would have brought you 18 cups of mayonnaise and I would have brought them right away if you had asked me. But do you think I did the right thing, John, man? Did I, I talk to the manager? I'm like, listen, Bobby, you didn't get what you wanted right when you asked for it. You talked to the manager. I, what, what can I tell you? I mean, you know, some people might have just maybe maybe just gone with just the one cup of mayonnaise instead of two and just called it a day and not gotten all worked up about a fucking cup of mayonnaise. But you are not most people, Bobby. Because most people also wouldn't take off their shirt in the middle of a fucking public, uh, you know, a retail bank branch location, the biggest bank branch in town, in the middle of a fountain. They wouldn't take off their shirt and splash themselves with water and put deodorant on, uh, you know, in a fucking parking lot. So that's, you're different than me, Bobby. There's things that you do that I wouldn't do. And, uh, you know, maybe ordering another cup of mayonnaise and then getting all worked up about it is one of those things. Mm. Bobby. And he was, he was something. That's and that's just one. That's just one guy. There's like a million other people. All these characters. And then you got no sleeves, McGee. You got Barbara. You got all the cackling crows stories with Chris and Jay. You driving around in the van. You've got. I mean, my God. You've got. You've got eighty-something-year-old Corky uh, walking around with no pants on and his giant oversized sport coat and socks. Fucking, uh, uh, you wouldn't, you, you don't know unless you work there. It's just, it's unbelievable. You don't think something like that is like, is a real place. And then you go there and it's, holy shit. It's, uh, there's only one seacoast. That's, that's all I can say. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. I gotta... I was gonna be done. I was gonna be done. Uh, one more thing. I'm gonna do one more thing, because... God damn it. God damn you, O.J. Simpson. You definitely non-murderous son of a bitch. Uh, he's got another video from a day, a day ago, a day or two ago. Here's what's great about this video. Can I just tell you? Uh, I, 
You know, the thing that sucks is I nobody should go on and listen to OJ's Twitter, follow him on Twitter or anything like that, because, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's kind of, uh, you know, a rather unsavory character, let's just say. He's not my favorite individual, but he does make for good uh, something, whatever. Whatever that is. I wouldn't say... I wouldn't say it's entertaining. Mm, you know, on account of the murders and all, but uh, I don't know. If there's just It's an unbelievable world we live in where OJ is hes just here on Twitter. You know who else is on Twitter? I mean, he's been on Twitter for a long time, Bill Cosby, but he's, like, tweeting somehow. If he's just, like, got somebody telling his wife to tweet for him, and it's stuff about, like, Father's Day stuff and America's dad. I It's, uh, wild times, man. Jesus Christ. So, so OJ has a new Twitter video, and he's on the golf course. He's sitting in a golf cart. Looks like a beautiful, sunny day in Southern California. And what's amazing about this video, like, okay, I get he's playing golf, and when you play golf, you wear a glove. But he's not, it's not like he's teeing off. Typically, you you put the glove on when you hit, you know, you hit your driver or something, you hit your tee shot, then the glove goes back into the back pocket or something. You, you typically take it off. This motherfucker is sitting in the golf cart, and he's got his, he's got his glove on. Like... OJ is doing a Twitter video, and he's wearing a glove. And I will say, this particular glove does fit. Oh, man, it's... Hey, you know what would be funny? Start rolling the camera. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be on the golf course. I think it would be funny if old OJ was wearing a glove. Get it? Because the glove that they had me put on, you know, the one, the glove that I had that uh, when I tried to cover up the crime scene, it was covered in blood. The bloody glove. Remember that one? I mean, (laughs) what did I just say? I mean, the glove that was way too small for my hand. Remember? Because it belonged to definitely somebody else. Definitely the murderer. Remember that glove and how funny that was? If it don't fit, you must acquit. Remember Cochran said that? That was so funny. <laughs> well, now I'm going to do my new video, and I'm going to wear a golf glove. Get it? Because I love golf, and I had a glove on, and the glove was covered in blood the night that I killed Ron in the co- I mean, what am I saying? I mean, somebody else was wearing my glove covered in blood the night that whoever that person was killed Ron and Nicole, it definitely wasn't OJ. So OJ's wearing a fucking glove, and he's on the golf course, and, uh, you know, he has some real topical, uh, important, interesting stuff to say. Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. You know, after last week, I got a lot of comments from football fans Mm. uh, telling me, Jews, come on, fantasy, you got to draft a running back first. Is that it? Normally, I would go along with that, Uh. except in the case of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. There's only one quarterback within 100 points. All right, right. who who gives a shit about these just talking fantasy football? Uh, Again, it's amazing that the uh, that my fake OJ a couple weeks ago was uh, I'm going to draft Patrick Mahomes in the fantasy draft, 
look at this fucking asshole in real life. He's nonstop talking about Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's not it's not like I uncovered some great puzzle. Like Patrick Mahomes is a you know he's a big time quarterback. He's like the next big thing. Yada yada yada. Blah blah blah. But I I do still think it's it's pretty amazing that OJ is endlessly talking about Patrick Mahomes after uh, Johnny Boy's fake OJ was endlessly talking about drafting Patrick Mahomes. All-star quarterback, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, so OJ, <laughs> he's a lot of people reaching out saying, Juice, got to draft what You know, something tells me Maybe somewhere in there, maybe there was a, maybe there were one or two comments about football to OJ. Maybe I don't know. I I was looking on Twitter. Not a lot of people talking about fantasy football on any of his uh, any of his posts. Maybe I have to dig way deep down into the thread, into the Twitter, into the responses. But uh, I'm I'm not seeing anybody even remotely talking about football. Not even. Not even anywhere, uh, except sarcastically. Like very, there's very sarcastic ones. Uh, so I think it's interesting that uh, the the first topic was, uh, you know, a lot of people reaching out to me wanting to talk about fantasy football. You know, every comment I saw, hey OJ, what's going on with your fantasy draft? What's up with Patrick Mahomes? Not going to take a wide receiver or running back? You're going to take Patrick Mahomes? That was uh, the only questions I got were about Patrick Mahomes. Wasn't a single other question about any other topic whatsoever. It was definitely just about Patrick Mahomes and my fantasy football draft. And they said, hey, Juice, how come you're drafting Patrick Mahomes? That was definitely the only thing anybody said about anything. I mean, sure, there were a few people saying, hey, OJ, we hope you find the real killer. And to them, I say, me too. Except... I also vowed to not talk about the murder of Ron and Nicole on my Twitter feed, so I guess it's a good thing nobody else on the face of the earth wants to talk about it and said they only want to talk about fantasy football. So that made me happy, because I definitely don't want to talk about that murder that I definitely didn't do. And people reach out to me and they say, Hey, Juice, did you kill those two? And I say, man, if you ask me one more time, I'm going to slit your goddamn throat from ear to ear. I mean, I just, that, that's what I would say if I were the murderer. That's something that at least I assume a killer might say. But I'm not a killer. I'm not a murderer. Like I said before, if I was a murderer, wouldn't I have been murdering this whole time? 25 years? You know how many murders I've committed in 25 years? Zero. You know how many murders I committed from June 13th, 1994 until today? Zero. You know how many murders I committed from the time I was born until June 11th, 1994? That's right. Zero. So from the day I was born until June 11th, 1994, and from June 13th until today, I committed zero murders. Doesn't sound like much of a murderer to me. Now, people might ask me, OJ, what about June 12th, 1994? Well, I tell you, there is no June 12th, 1994, because 12 is an unlucky number, just like on those elevators, on those hotel floors. It goes 8, 9, 10, 11, 13, 14, 15. That was the same with June 1994. It was one of those leap Junes, where it went from June 11th to June 13th. So how can I be a murderer? 
It says Ron and Nicole were murdered on June 12th. How's that possible if there is no June 12th? At least not for OJ. There's June 11th and June 13th. And that's it. Uh, even Tom Brady, maybe the greatest quarterback ever, was roughly 175 points behind him. Uh, and Drew Brees, the guy who led excuse my fantasy me. team. Excuse me. Tom Brady, maybe... See, you know, you could say dumb shit about Happy Father's Day and wear your stupid glove all you want, but you just said Tom Brady's maybe one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time? Hey, fucking idiot. That There's no more discussion, jackass. Seven rings? Fucking OJ. Whether you like Tom Brady or not, please, that, that argument's over. What else do you have to say, Juice? Was roughly 150 points behind hmm. him. You can't make up that separation anywhere else in any other position. That's a fact. The running backs, the top four guys, were within 30 points of one another. And you got all of these great young guys coming, Chubb and Jones and uh, a Mac. I mean, some great hmm. young guys who could be Bill Kyle Bats. And don't forget, Ingram is going to be a oh, yeah. back in Baltimore. Get, forget that guy. It's, it's two minutes of OJ just talking about football. Like, that's it. I'm, I'm going to talk politics, I'm going to talk football, all the things you want to hear OJ talk about. That's the only thing I keep hearing everybody say, hey OJ, when are you going to talk more about fantasy football? When are you going to talk about uh, politics, OJ? When are you going to talk about religion, OJ? When are you going to talk about all these things? That's all anybody wants to hear from OJ, so that's all you're going to get from OJ. Just politics, Football and good old-fashioned fun, OJ style. And you know something else? I might even try some of my stand-up. You know what they say, old OJ, he's a funny guy, he's a real cut-up. That's what people keep telling me anyway. <laughs> now on another note. Hmm. Another when I note. came into the league, I went to a little bit of culture shock. Oh. Not because I was born in San Francisco and raised there mm -hmm. and went to USC, LA, USC. and then yeah. ended up in upstate New York. Well, Western of, New York, asshole. The locker room. Uh, the locker room was different. I wasn't prepared for it. You had black guys in the locker room who had never played football with white guys before. And you had white guys from big colleges who had never played uh, with black guys before. Mm. And uh, they came with all kind of attitudes and Attitude. opinions and thoughts on things. But we had to put it all aside. You had to put it aside if you were going to be a team and have any chance of winning. And I'm pretty sure that was the case everywhere, all over sports back then. I'm just saying. All right. Fantasy football soon. Take care. Take care. Thanks, OJ. So, okay, so it was a culture shock because he came into the league and there were white guys and black guys. And uh, he was... He was not prepared for that. That's right. I was just a kid from San Francisco playing at US, USC. Then I came to the NFL in Buffalo, New York, and it was a culture shock. Not because they had white guys and black guys, but because they had non-murderers and future murderers. Well, mostly just non-murderers and then one future murderer. And that was a culture shock to me because I used to ask the guys, Hey, I'll bet you're so mad... You probably want to kill somebody right about now. Maybe your wife, maybe your girlfriend, maybe your ex-wife. And they would look at me and say, I don't, what are you talking about, OJ? That's a weird thing to be saying. And I would say, 
Yeah, of course it's a weird thing to say. I'm just kidding. I'm not a murderer now, and I won't be a murderer in uh, 20 years from now, in 1994. I'm just going to be OJ, just walk along minding his own business, and then driving in that Bronco with my good buddy Al Cowlings, who would later be portrayed by Malcolm Jamal Warner in the FX original miniseries OJ. I think that's what it's called. I can't remember. But anyway... It was a culture shock because I was used to being around guys who seemed like they were going to murder somebody. At least any time I looked in the mirror, that's what I thought. <laughs> but now I'm around these non-murderers and it was just plain weird to me. But that's okay because I got out of the NFL and did all the things I wanted to do anyways. You know, like playing golf and collecting my memorabilia. Anyway, that's it for me, OJ. Have a great week, everybody. Have lots of fun. And don't forget, my enemies, I'm coming for you. You better run. We're going to have a lot of fun, though. <laughs> anyway. We got to get out of here. There's so many more stories, but that's going to be it for today. All right. Yeah. Uh, I've got a, a prank call. Cousin Cliff. Calls Cliffy. This is going back to December. We've already heard uh, before from Grandma Cliff when she called about the uh, Holiday Island Spectacular. And then uh, Uncle Cliffy, Cliff, uh, he called about the Spectacular. And this is Cousin Cliff calling Cliffy. Cousin Cliff calling Cliff uh, regarding the Island Holiday Spectacular brought to you by Nabisco. Uh, thanks, everybody. You're the best. I love you guys. We'll do another one as soon as possible. Enjoy. Uh, one more call. This is Cousin Cliff. And remember, everybody, positivity is for huge pieces of shit. Uh, but kindness matters. Email birthdayboypodcast at gmail.com. Tell me what you think. Ask questions, whatever. And I will read every word of it on the air. So whether you like it or not. <laughs> All right. Uh, be good. Talk to you later, gators.
Mexico, that's good snacks. But I need, uh, you gotta bring those magazines, okay? I'm, I'm kinda going crazy here, Cliff. I'm going crazy, and, uh, and, uh, 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 uh goddamn it, fuck. Fucking goddamn shit, fuck. My fucking voice keeps changing, I sound like a fucking idiot. Oh, Christ, Cliffy. Anyway, you gotta, you gotta, gotta bring those magazines, Cliff, okay? Hey, listen. Uh, you, we gotta have all kinds of fun, okay? Not just the magazines, you know. I'll, I'll come out of my room, too, sometimes. But, hey, we're gonna have, uh, uh, Grandma tells me we're gonna have oatmeal tasting. Ah, uh, that's awesome. We're gonna have Bibleopoly. I love Bibleopoly. I can't wait to play Bibleopoly, Cliff. You like Bibleopoly, Cliff? I love Bibleopoly, Cliff. Hey, we're gonna do Psalms. Remember Psalms, Trivial Pursuit? All the Psalms in the Bible? We're gonna do that. We're gonna have oatmeal tasting. We're gonna have uh, Dr. Heathcliff Huxtable. Who's gonna make some drinks? That's gonna be cool. But guess what else? We're gonna have a sing song, Cliff. We're gonna have a sing song. You know what a sing song is? It's when you sing songs. Sing songs when you sing songs. Oh, damn it. There's my fucking voice again. Fucking motherfucking shit. Fuck. Goddamn fucking fuck, Cliff. Jesus fucking Christ. Shit. Shit. Fuck. Anyways, Cliffy, my voice is changing. It's ridiculous. But I have the spectacular. We're gonna have a sing song, Cliff. You know what sing song is, right? It's sing songs. We'll sing songs. We'll each pick a song. And I picked my song. We're gonna gather around the piano. Pam's gonna play the piano. We're gonna sing songs at the sing song. After we taste the oatmeal at the oatmeal tasting clip. So I, here's my song. Uh. Oh, Jesus Christ, fucking voice. Anyway, okay. Wanna hear my song? I was gonna wait till the spectacular, but I'm gonna sing it now, okay? Ready? Here goes. Here's my song for the sing song. Christmas sing song clip. Let's sing songs at the sing song. Okay. Shit, uh, 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 shut up! 